All right, we're in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Jesus had just made, again, the very important statements to the disciples that they were going up to Jerusalem and that Jesus was going to be arrested and condemned to death and to die, but that he would rise again. And it is apparent that they didn't listen to Jesus very much at all as he said these things to them, especially toward the end. And that can be... Uh, a tendency in bad, our bad listening skills is that we can uh, start listening to somebody talk and, and we hear the first few words and the first few words are difficult to process and we're thinking about those words and we tune out everything else and we don't even hear uh, what somebody says after that. Uh, that may have happened. Disciples seem to have totally missed what Jesus was saying here. And an example is our, our next text that we're going to look at this morning is that after Jesus told them about going to the cross, then the disciples, or two of them, James and John, come to Jesus with a request and demonstrate that they didn't listen to a thing He had just said. And Jesus used it as an opportunity to teach them very important truth in applying the cross to their own lives. Uh, verse 35, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on the right, your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask, are you able to drink the cup that I drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to Himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many." So I think we can look at this situation in two major parts. Uh, we see the request of James and John, which is an act of self-centeredness. James and John speak in a self-centered way, in a self-exalting way with their question. And then we see the answer of Jesus that He calls them corrects them and calls them and calls us also to not self-exaltation, but to a life of service and even self-sacrifice. And so let's look at these two, two aspects. 
James and John come with this self-centered, self-exalting request, which is a very typical demonstration of humanity. They're expressing what exists in all of our hearts. What comes out of them is just what is present in all of us. And it's the chief core problem of us is that basically we operate from a self-centered, self-exalting perspective. We come in a situation thinking about how, what can I get out of this? Uh, what is best for me in this? It's all about me. This is what Jesus calls us away from in the gospel, where he said, whoever would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And we saw that back in chapter 8, when Jesus began to talk to the disciples as they traveled about going to the cross. Then he taught them, as well as us, the important truth that we all are called to go to the cross and we are called to deny, and to do that, we have to first deny ourselves. We have to deny our own uh, feelings and our own uh, thinking and our own desires, which are by and large sinful. We must deny that, say no to that, because that's the core of what we are. At our core, we are self centered, sinful people. You are, I am, everyone who has ever lived, whoever will live. This is our core part of our nature, is that we are self-centered. We think about what we're going to get out of this. And James and John come and and exhibit this. Uh, It's almost like they can't, well, they can't help themselves, but it really is a dramatic picture here. After Jesus says to them, guys, I'm about, I'm the son of God. I deserved uh, for the whole earth to fall down and worship me, yet I'm about to go to Jerusalem and to uh, be arrested wrongfully, to be tortured on the cross and to die, give my life as a sacrifice. I'm about to do that and then I'm going to rise from the dead. And after hearing that, James and John come to him and, and, and had this self-centered request. Jesus, when you sit in your, on, your, on the throne of your kingdom, would you allow us to sit one on your right hand, one on your left? Jesus had just told them about his great sacrifice of himself, and James and John are thinking, hey, how can we get the top spot here? Again, they, they just don't even listen to what he says. They're, he's going to Jerusalem, And uh, they just think, okay, he's going there, he's the Messiah, he's going to take over, he's going to take the throne, he, because that's who he is, he's the king, and so uh, that's all they thought about. He's going to sit on the throne of the kingdom, and uh, we want to try to get a good spot. And so they come to Jesus and say, can we have a spot on your right hand and your left when you sit on the throne of your kingdom? And that was a privileged place on the right hand, particularly, was the best place. Jesus uh, is said that, it says, the Bible says that he will sit at the right hand of the Father when he sits on his throne. It is the place of power and privilege. And James and John seek for, to be on either side of him when he, on his throne. 
Jesus in his answer uh, reveals that there will be two who will sit on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus uh, in his kingdom. It is assigned and given to two individuals. But uh, Jesus reveals that it is not James and John, but he didn't reveal who it is, but he says it is given for some, for two people. One will sit on my right hand, one on my left. He said, and it's for those that the Father has chosen to sit there. He says, it is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Meaning, God has chosen who that's going to be, and uh, they're the ones that's going to be given that privilege. And so James and John are seeking something for themselves, trying to uh, press to get something for themselves, all in an action of a self-centered, self-exalting action. And again, this is what we are. When the ten hear of it, they are greatly displeased with James and John. And uh, I think that's because, uh, not because they've got the right attitude, but they have the same self-centered attitude that they're displeased that James and John tried to cut them out of that top spot. That they wanted the same spot too. And so this whole competition is erupting here between the disciples. And they're all wanting that top spot right around Jesus. And they're mad at each other. And they're jealous of each other. All wanting the best place. And it's all expression of the self-centeredness and sinfulness in all of our hearts that we must turn away from, we must forsake and reject and repent of in order to, to be in the kingdom of Jesus. This is what we must repent of. This is the sinfulness in us that we must turn from. And of course, the disciples here, they're, they're saved. But notice they are still dealing with, they're still dealing with their sin issues in their life. They're having to work out their salvation, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians, that we would label our sanctification process. And the sanctification process that we have to continue working on is this very thing. It's our core self-centeredness. We have to work at saying no to that and not operating by that, but living a different way. And if we're not careful, that self-centeredness can rise up and come out at various times. And that's what happened with James and John here. Um, Notice how they, they're actually thinking about the kingdom of God. They're, they're actually wanting to be in the kingdom. But even in that, their, their self-centeredness corrupts the whole thing where they are acting selfishly and trying to exalt themselves in an unrighteous way. Jesus then begins to use this as an opportunity to teach them that in following Him, we have to think completely different. We have to say no to ourselves. We have to say no to our self-centeredness. That's the automatic, normal reaction where we think, well, what can, how is this going to affect me? How can, what can I get out of this? What can I get that's the best for me? And we're thinking just about ourselves. Jesus said this is how the world operates. 
he spoke of that in verse 42. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. He said, this is how the world operates. When they get some power and authority, they just use it for their own benefit. And he's telling the disciples, you have great authority, but you're not to use that authority for your own selfish interests. He said, that's not what my kingdom is about, and that's not how life is to be lived. He had come to change all of that. He had come to totally <clears throat> reverse all of that in an opposite way. And that's what he began to say then in his answer to them. Verse 43, And it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And here's the paradox of Jesus' kingdom that he has talked about uh, before. He says, you want to be great? You want to get the top spot in my kingdom? Then the way to do that is to try, is to take the lowest spot. Is to seek the lowest spot. Be the servant of all. Be the slave of all. He says, the way to the top in my kingdom is the bottom. Earlier in chapter 8, he said, he who wants to save his life shall lose it. And this is the way of God, is that greatness is really not seeking that greatness at all. Greatness is not wanting to be great. True greatness that comes from God is, is thinking of the other person rather than yourself. That is the greatness of God. That's what makes Him holy and righteous and makes Him infinitely loving. It is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God was thinking of what we needed. He was thinking of us. And He was willing to sacrifice His, his own self his, and His own Son, the Lord Jesus, in order to save us. See, that's the greatness of God, is that you know, God deserves all honor and glory. He is thinking about what others need, what His creation needs, and He is giving to His creation. And so greatness in His kingdom is to live that way. It's not to think about ourselves and to seek to grab what we can get for ourselves, but it's in thinking, what can I do for somebody else? What can I first, what, what, uh, what does God deserve? What do I give God? And, and what we give, what do we give God? And what do we give to other people? That's where greatness. Then as we seek that, then God rewards that. But it's God's decision. It's not us seeking to attain that. It is God then giving that as a reward. But here's the elusive thing. Again, Jesus stated, He said, He who seeks to hold on to His life will lose it. And if we go about seeking to say, Oh, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do this over here. And I'm going to do this for this person over here so that I can get a great reward in heaven later. We lose it. If we serve with the wrong motive, you see, you can even serve. We're so devious. We are so corrupt. And the Bible says that uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We can even be thinking, oh, I'm going to serve over here. I'm going to serve over here 
thinking, because I'm going to get this great reward later. Then our motive becomes self-centered. And at that point, we lose that reward. See, we can't trick God in this. This is an example. James and John could not trick Jesus into getting this top spot. It would only be given to those that God would choose. God would choose. No one could try to assert themselves and say, push and say, Jesus, would you give this to me? And get it. God would give it to who he chose without that person pushing for it at all. And again, we're not told who it is, but it is given to somebody. There's going to be two individuals sitting on the right hand and left hand of Jesus. We can only speculate because we're not told. I think it's probably going to be Abraham and David because how Jesus is the son of Abraham, the son of David. But whoever it is, it's going to be chosen by God and given as a gift, as a reward for, for how they turned from their own self and they gave themselves over to God and His kingdom in a sacrificial way. This is the kingdom of Jesus. Of whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. And so it's in giving away our life that we receive it, but it's sincerely given away. We can't be seeking anything for ourselves in that. Because the Lord Jesus is our example. Verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus modeled this for us. He was the Son of God. He deserved everything, and yet He laid aside everything. Just for Him to come to the earth and take on a human form was a huge step down for Jesus. He was in heaven with all of the glory of God, and He set aside all of that privilege, that place. He did not cease being God, but He set aside the privilege of all the glory. He emptied Himself of all of that glory and took on a human form and even the form of a servant, the book of Philippians 2 says, and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He deserved the top spot. And yet He came and emptied Himself and took the lowest spot and took the place of a criminal on the cross to die for for us. Jesus leads us at His example that He did not even come to be served. Even though He deserved to be served, He did not come. He came to give His life as a ransom. He came to sacrifice Himself. And so Jesus says, you want to serve Me, you must follow Me in My steps. And you must deny yourself take up your cross and follow me and live a life of seeking to turn away from self-centeredness and thinking about ourselves. and we live a life thinking what does God want me to do what does God deserve out of my life how can I please God and how can I help somebody else what does somebody else what can I do to help somebody else in their life that's the perspective of the Lord Jesus That's the perspective of God, and that's the perspective of us when our heart is changed in the kingdom of God. We're not asserting ourself to have position. We are seeking to serve and to sacrifice ourselves. That's the mentality of the kingdom of God. And it's completely opposite. It's completely opposite of our typical human thinking. James and John exhibited the typical human thinking. Hey, there's a top spot there. We're going to try to get it before anybody else does. 
You know, that, that's so typical. Oh, here's something over here. Let me, let me rush over there and get it before somebody else does. And James and John were just exhibiting that. And Jesus said, that is opposite of how life should be lived. Life should be lived first of, of thinking and asking, what does God deserve? What does God want? And we seek to do what He says. And then we seek to love our neighbor as ourselves. Love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's how life is to be lived. And that is the change that Jesus brings into our hearts through the gospel. It comes through the cross where we die to ourselves, die to sin. Now, that first means we have to repent of sin, and that self-centeredness just thinks, hey, I'm going to get this for myself. And it just li- you just live by thinking of, uh, uh, what can I experience over here and over here? And what can I get? You know, what all can I get? That leads us down the road of sin. And that leads to death. And Jesus' death on the cross saves us from that. That we die to that self-centeredness and die to sin and say no to it and believe on Jesus' death on the cross to cover our sin and to change our heart to now live a different way. And then we live pursue a life now of living to give, not living to get. And again, first we live to give to God what He deserves and seek to please Him. Paul stated in, in the book of 2 Corinthians that we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. He said as he thinks about that we're all going to stand before God after this life is over and we're going to stand before Him in the judgment. He said, therefore, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to Him. That's the mentality that we should have. And uh, there's some misleading teaching about that. I heard it just the other day on a Christian program where they were saying that, uh, you know, I, I, I got freed from this mentality of thinking I had to try to please God. And now I'm free of that and I realize I can't do anything to please God anymore than, than uh, Jesus has already done. And I, I'm totally pleasing to God in Jesus and, and therefore I don't need to try to think about pleasing God. That's, that's a performance thing. And that's all just a lie from, from Satan. Because the Bible speaks about, and I just read it, that we're to seek to be pleasing to God and our whole mentality is thinking, how can I be pleasing to God? It's His creation. He deserves that. And this change of thinking, the right thinking that comes through the gospel and through Jesus is a restoring of this thinking that we think, how can I please God? Out of gratitude for Him saving saving us. For it is true that uh, Jesus is the only perfect one and His righteousness makes us righteous. and We are righteous in Him and we cannot earn or merit our salvation in any way. That's justification. We are justified in Christ. But then it's sanctification. It is living that out. And living out to say, now I can live my life with the right motives of seeking to please God and honor Him and to live my life in obedience to Him. And that is what God calls us to. And that is what Jesus is talking about here. That we live a life of service to God and to our our neighbor. And Jesus models this and leads us in living this, this way. So we live to serve. I want to add before we leave this that 
how Jesus even goes to the point of saying we are to sacrifice for others. His, his example was to he laid down his life as a ransom for others. He sacrificed himself where he gave up his own, what he deserved. He didn't deserve to die. He sacrificed for others. He suffered for others. And this type of life even calls us to even to go through suffering for the sake of others. Apostle Paul was a great example of this, how he went around preaching the gospel and he endured much suffering. And he did that so that others could hear the message of salvation and be saved. He did that for the sake of other people. He did that out of love for other people. He was willing to sacrifice himself and eventually sacrifice his own life in order to try to help somebody else come to salvation. That's the mentality of Jesus that he stresses here. They were called to even sacrifice for the good of somebody else and set aside our own privileges, our own comforts that we might help someone else have the truth, come to the truth in their own life. And so may God help us to have this different mentality. As I said, the disciples were saved, but they had to even they had to grow in it. And we can be saved, but we have to grow in this and remind ourselves and stay close to this. It's like with the song we sang earlier, that such a great truth, Jesus, keep me near the cross. We need to keep near this attitude and this mentality that we are to say no to ourselves in self-centeredness. And we are to take up the cross, die to ourselves in sin, and we are to live for God and for what we can do for other people. And we need to stay close to that. We need to renew that when we get away from it. And we need to grow in that. And that is the process of, of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus in our life. And James and John eventually got there. They eventually grew in, in that understanding and, and in themselves. And Jesus referred to it. They may not have, uh, those words may have went in one ear out the other at this point where he said, you indeed will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. That meant his death. Eventually, James and John were killed for their faith in Jesus. And when that happened, they were ready to do that and they were glad to do that because they had learned this different way of thinking. That they didn't live and think about themselves first. Their lives were for God first and then for other people. And they were willing to lay down their life in order to serve and even sacrifice for a greater cause than for someone else. And may God help us to have that, that same mentality. And whoever would be great among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. God is so good. God is so wise. His ways are so much better. And how we need to just as self-centered, sinful people, we need to repent of our sin, say no, don't listen to ourselves. See, what's happened when, when a person uh, is not saved and, and they don't want to be saved, they're just listening to themselves instead of listening to God. And salvation comes when we realize to say, I don't know what I need to do. 
I need to not listen to myself. I need to listen to what Jesus says and, and uh, reject self and receive Jesus and follow Him. And we need to live that way every day. I say, Jesus, help me to not to live by what I think, but what you think. Lead me and help me to live a life for God and for other people in our time on the earth. And as we do that, we'll be following Jesus and we'll be uh, used by Him and we will be servants accomplishing things in His kingdom. And we totally just have that attitude of God and other people and then when we get to heaven, there's going to be rewards, but it'll be what God chooses it at that point, not what we try to push to get because that's not how God's kingdom works. It is what's done in a true, pure motive of love and righteousness that God rewards. All right, let's uh, bow our heads and let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your great uh, work in the world to demonstrate your love and your mercy to us in providing Jesus' death on the cross to save us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that great sacrifice of yourself. We just praise you, God, and your greatness and all of your love and, and uh, righteousness. You're just perfect in all your ways. And we can trust you and we can follow you. Your ways are the ways of life. And I pray you'd help us to uh, turn from our wrong self-centered thinking and to be filled, fill us with the mind of Christ that we may live for you and to serve others, other people and uh, for a greater purpose in giving to others, not ourselves. Thank you for allowing us to serve you in your kingdom and for giving us these truths and directing us in your kingdom and in your life. And through Jesus, we pray. Amen.